Hell Yes Life, Episode 2. In the midst of uh, tremendous unknowns for everyone, everyone, it doesn't matter who you voted for, we can take control of how we treat each other. And perhaps this is that wake-up call that we really need to be treating each other with a lot more respect and generosity and compassion. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, the show that helps you come alive so you can live a hell yes life. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am excited because today, uh, this episode is my first interview episode. And as my very first guest on the HYL podcast, I am honored to have none other than Beth Bilo. Now, Beth is a pretty amazing person, and she's doing a lot of things that I want to be doing. So I am uh, uh, you know, excited to be talking to her. She is an author, a podcaster, speaker, and professional coach. I met Beth at a uh, public speaking and storytelling workshop a couple of years ago, and we kept in touch sporadically over the last couple of years. And over that time, she has released her book uh, and, and has really gone on a bit of a whirlwind journey with it. Now, that book is called The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. And that book has been named one of the 100 best business books of 2015 by Inc.com. So well well done, Beth. Uh, She's also contributed to articles in the Wall Street Journal, Success Magazine, Inc., Entrepreneur, The Telegraph, and Psychology Today, among others, and her Introvert Entrepreneur podcast was named a top 25 business podcast by Entrepreneur.com. I'm super excited to share our conversation with you. So let's uh, go ahead and jump right in. Hey there, Beth. How's it going today? It is fantastic. How are you? (laughs) I am doing great. Thanks so much for joining me. So let me ask you this, Beth. Are you ready to tell us about your Hell Yes life? Hell yes. (laughs) All right, let's do it. So um, I want to always start out with this question. And of course, we'll get into the details about everything that you're um, doing these days. But what is your hell yes? So by that, I mean, what's your passion, the thing that makes you come alive? Yeah, I thought about this quite a bit. You, I would think it would be obvious, but um, it's almost like I feel like the answer isn't exciting enough <laughs> to be hell yes, but it really is. Uh-huh. It's, it's uh, something I felt for a long time. And the best way I can describe it is um, asking really good questions. You know, my mm-hmm. my um, my favorite words to hear somebody say is, wow, nobody's ever asked me that before. Or I never thought of that question, um, and then and then here's the the part that I think is is really imp- important, and that is leaving a safe space for the response. So it's mm-hmm. asking a question and leaving a safe space. That has been, I think, the core of what has driven me and and is part of my passion and how I'm living my passion um, for a very long time. That is awesome. And so when did you? discover that that was your hell yes. And again, we can have more than one hell yes, right? Oh, yeah, uh, but, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, wh- when did when did it uh, occur to you that, wow, that that's what really lights me up? 
I think it was pretty early on. I mean, you know, we're talking like junior high and high school. You know, like I said, it was one of those things where I can remember having conversations with friends and asking them a question and just feeling this um, really deep satisfaction and and pleasure uh, when somebody would say, "Oh, I hadn't thought of that before," and and being able to. You know, at the time, I didn't have, you know, the language that said, oh, I know how to ask open and honest questions or I know how to leave a safe space. Um, It wasn't until I started coach training that I really realized, oh, this is that's what this is. And this is what I'm really good at. And this is what lights me up. Um, when I when those moments happen, it, it feels mutual. It's not just about the safe space for the other person and and their own discovery and transformation, but it's there's something intellectually and emotionally satisfying about it for me, and that makes me want to keep trying to do it and keep getting better at it. And it seems like it would be a very simple thing, but it's really challenging. Um, it's really challenging to do, and, and I don't say that to be like, "Ooh, look at me, I'm doing this," because I'm working on it all the time. Um, so, so it's it was it's really been an evolution. But I would say it's when I started my coach training, when I re- started putting words and um, frameworks around what had previously been happening in a somewhat organic and natural way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you started to realize that, was it something like, wow, this is really, this is my my passion. This is something that is naturally sort of coming out of me. It's not something I'm uh, imagining as, oh, this is a good idea. It's just, it, it come, it feels like it's coming out of me. Yeah, it doesn't feel forced at all. Um, it feels it feels natural. It feels like it um, it's part of me, and that doesn't mean again that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it's always um, just flows and I always do it just right. But the difference between that and and some other things that are like that is that I really want to work to get better at it. Um, mm-hmm. I recognize where there's room for growth and. The passion is part of what leads me to stay engaged with it and to keep working on it. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's back up a little bit then. And uh, you know, I in the introduction we talked about all the great stuff that you have going on. Um, but uh, so you you know you've written a book, the introvert mm-hmm. on entrepreneur that came out. It sounds like 2015 was a very busy year for you. It was. <laughs> um, and uh, and you, you know you got a lot. You know it was very impressive that one of the top 100 best business books of 2015 by Inc. Uh, com. That's that's fantastic. Um, and so let's let's um, look at that theme. Uh, where where did it come from? The the uh, the idea to focus on uh, introverts. It came when I stopped forcing something, you know, speaking of forcing things and letting things come naturally. Um, yeah. When I started my coach training, I, I knew I had found my, my hell yes. You know, this is what I am meant to do in this world. This is my contribution. And then I had to figure out, well, who am I contributing to? <laughs> who is this for? And as with any service-based business, it's really important, at least in my mind, um, and I think to many others, that you find who, what is your sweet spot? You know, who is it that you're meant to serve? Who do you work with best? And and often we call that like our target market or our niche. And I started out thinking that I was going to be working with nonprofit leaders. I thought that was my hell yes. And mm. it turns out, yeah, not so much. <laughs> I I never really went down that path. It's like I knew what I was supposed to be doing, um, but I couldn't bring myself to do it in terms of like reaching out and marketing and positioning and messaging. 
And I went through this period where I was like, I need to find my target market, but I'm I'm struggling with it. And I kept sort of fishing around and, and again, forcing it and saying, okay, today it's going to be this and today it's going to be that. And nothing ever really stuck. And it was one day I sat down and I wrote out profiles of all of the clients that I was working with at the time. And this was in probably December of 2009. So, mm. wow, seven years ago. And mm. I... I was looking for themes, you know, I was looking, I was writing down um, what did they come to coaching for? What kinds of things came up in coaching? What was their profession? What was their age? Where were they from? Um, what, what were their values? And I was looking for those commonalities to see if there was any hint as to what my target market might be. And because I've had this long interest in, ever since my own awareness of what it meant to be an introvert in graduate school, I've had this long interest in personality types and, and Myers-Briggs and things. I wrote down in the edges of the column whether I thought that client was an introvert or an extrovert. And I noticed that all of them but one, I was guessing, were introverts. And I thought, oh, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then I closed the notebook and put it away. <laughs> um, it didn't occur to me that that would be a target market. And it was about four months later that I was sitting in a workshop and the facilitator was talking about target markets. And and I often say, you know, I don't know if she used the word personality or if it just clicked in my head, but I thought, hey, wait a minute, you know, and I was using the notebook that I had made those profiles in. So I flipped back through and saw introvert, 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 introvert. And I think I raised my hand right in that moment and said, I coach introverts. <laughs> um, oh, so nice. it was truly one of those light bulb moments that, you know, I had the awareness before I had the aha moment. And it, to me, it's kind of a when the student is ready, the teacher appears, um, you know, lesson in trusting that if you, you know, let go of something, if you don't try to force it over time, you know, the, the message that needs to come out will rise to the top. And, and mm -hmm. that's what happened. So it was sitting there all that time. But it took, you know, a little bit of uh, marinating <laughs> before it was ready to really sink in and, and for me to say, oh, this is what it's all about. So it really brought together, mm. you know, my own interests as well as who I am because I'm an introvert. And um, I was realizing that I had a particular message that I could share. Yeah, that's interesting about the um, kind of looking for something versus letting it come. You know, I think there's a balance there. Obviously, you have to put the intention out that, hey, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking for my hell yes. But, uh, but that sometimes we can lead with our head. And I don't know if the nonprofit, um, working with nonprofit leaders idea was sort of like, a, hey, that sounds like a good idea. I mean, I've had a good ideas like that, too. It's like, oh, I want to work with um, change makers. And mm -hmm. for some reason, you know, and uh, it, it's possible through through this podcast, I might be talking to change makers. But uh, you know, sometimes we have ideas that sound good, but are they really resonating with, um, you know, with our heart, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, the nonprofit thing was totally in my head, because that was my background, you know, it was my training, it was my schooling, it was my work experience, I knew that, that those people, I knew that world. And, um, but I wasn't feeling it in my heart at that point. So yeah, that's a great distinction. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you've had a lot of success recently. Uh, and, you know, it seems like you're, from just looking at your website, they've very um, established. Uh, I, I'm sure you're, you, you would consider what you're doing still a work in progress. And you've got, uh, th- <laughs> um, you know, th- things that you're working on and moving ahead with. But, uh, but you know, from the perspective of, of people who might be listening to this who are earlier in their on their journey, um, you're, uh, you, you certainly seem like you've you've made that transition like you know what you're doing you're moving forward can you take us back to a time earlier in your journey when you faced a real challenge related to your hell yes uh, you know that that may have stopped you but you you ended up overcoming it or facing it mm-hmm. well like you said before we can have more than one hell yes right and yeah i think that um i had a hell yes when i was younger and that was to be a musician um, that's what I, that was my identity for a very long time, you know, from like sixth grade all the way through graduate school. So a, a pretty big chunk of my life. And that's what I thought it was. That's what I thought I was destined to do. And, and that would be my life. And I realized halfway through getting a graduate degree at an expensive private school that that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> Which, yeah. you know, I remember one day telling my teacher, you know, my, my clarinet instructor, I'm spending more time in the library than I am in the practice room. And that's definitely not a good sign. Mm. And so halfway through, I had to make, you know, I had a choice. Um, the program I was in was only three, three quarters, so to get my, my graduate degree. And about halfway through it, I was like, yeah, this, I, I'm going to finish this, but this is this is not the path that I'm supposed to be on. Um, This is not making me happy. You know, I am not happy in this. And so I shifted gears and I decided to get um, another master's in arts administration. And what happened that I... um, that was really the challenge that... I, I feel like I have really come out on the other side was that, like I said, I was a musician for such a chunk of my life. It was... And especially as an introvert, it was a huge part of my identity, you know, it was my external facing self that people knew me as. It's like Beth, the clarinet player, Beth, the musician. And when I decided to shift gears, I wasn't Beth, the musician anymore. I was just Beth. <laughs> mm-hmm, and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what do I do with that? You know, who mm. who is that? Um, the people I hung out with, the things, the how I spent my free time, how I thought of my talents in the world, it, it completely um, shifted. And and it took me a while to find that identity and to realize, okay, Beth, you, you can be out in the world and have like conversations with normal people, people who aren't musicians, aren't scary. Um, it, it sounds kind of silly, but that's that was kind of where my, my head was at the time. and And so that... Moving through that was really um, that was that was a pretty big challenge that I feel like, yeah, finally, I've come out on the other side. And I think part of that is finding my groove with with coaching and where that brings um, a lot of other gifts and other talents and other um, wonderful challenges into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so so moving through that was was really was really a big deal. Um, especially at the time, and I still look back on it and, and can appreciate and recognize that that was, um, that was an important turning point. And, mm-hmm. and I have no regrets about it. 
you know, I think that's the other thing is looking back at any of those challenges and being able to say, yeah, I didn't... um, I I would do it again because that's who I was at the time. That was my hell yes, and this is my hell yes now. And I might have a different hell yes next year. You know, who right. knows? Um, yeah. But they're all variations on a theme. And mm-hmm. and the more I can embrace that, then um, kind of the more I feel like I'm being true to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like there was a, a time where you needed to let go of the idea of Beth the musician, and you hadn't found your Beth the coach yet, and you just had right. to be Beth, you know, and sit Beth. with Beth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and, is that, but, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it takes the courage to just um, just sit with that, right, yeah. without, uh, with, without any assumptions about who you are or what, you, what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Now tell me about one of your one of your biggest uh, successes or breakthrough moments that you feel like you've had. Uh, maybe maybe with your most recent hell yes with your um, with your book and your coaching and and so forth. What what was a moment that you had or a day that you had that was like oh my gosh you know I've I've made it or I you know mm. I'm I'm experiencing some su- success. Hmm. Well, the obvious. Um, one around that is probably the book. Um, and it's funny I say it with some hesitation just because just like I've always known that I that I love asking good questions, you know, love that challenge and what happens when a good question happens, um, I've always known I was going to write a book. You know, it's just been part of what I, the way I've thought about myself, you know, I mean, maybe that was a latent part of my identity for a long time, like Beth, the writer, that finally um, had some sort of external validation. But, you know, I guess I think back to, you know, a, a pivot point maybe was when I, I went to um, a writer's conference in California, and I believe this was 2012, which seems like so long ago. But it seems like mm-hmm. yesterday. And as part of this, I, I had won a free ticket to go to this um, because a friend, long story, but, you know, one of these serendipitous, she couldn't use her ticket. She ended up running a contest on her blog and I won it. And at the time I was like, I have this book that needs to get out of me, you know, get get out there in the world. So I went to this writer's conference and my main goal was to participate in this pitch slam and a pitch slam is like speed dating with literary agents. Mm. Oh, so like you, fun. yeah, it sounds like fun, right? <laughs> you get like, you get three minutes in front of a literary agent. And the idea is you're supposed to spend about a minute and a half of that pitching your book. And actually, it's not even your book yet. It's your idea, your concept or your manuscript. You pitch your idea and then you have about a minute and a half for the agent to maybe ask you a couple of questions and then say whether or not they would like to follow up with you. And my goal out of that was to say, I'm, I want to get an agent out of this, because um, I knew that that was the first step to publication. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, I, I picked who I wanted to get in front of. I, the, the amount of time that there was, I had four people that I needed to get in front of and um, showed up early you know, to wait outside the the ballroom doors to make sure that, you you know, I was early in line. And I remember everybody around me was all talking and nervous and pacing and, and all this stuff. And I just decided, you know, I'm just going to sit here on the floor. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm just going to be quiet. 
I'm going to imagine, you know, I'm going to visualize sitting in front of the agent, sharing what my my passion is, what my idea is, and and trusting that it's that it will happen, you know. So just making that space for myself within that chaos instead of kind of giving in to the nervous energy. And um, I sat down in front of four agents. I got requests from three of them to follow up. And then one of them ended up becoming my agent. And, um, and I didn't know it at the time, but it's even though that's the whole purpose of the pitch slam, it was fairly rare for somebody to actually sign with an agent as a result of the pitch slam. So mm. it was... Um, I, I, you know, thank goodness I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> you know, a little naivete is yeah. sometimes a good thing. Um, but that was, you know, that was the start of what made it all real. And and mm-hmm. that whole journey was a was an up and down roller coaster of optimism and wanting to just crawl into a hole and say, I wish this would all just go away. It's too much. It's too much yeah. work. Um, and I think that that's 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 the thing about your hell yes just because it's your hell yes at least in my opinion doesn't mean that you're going to get up every day and be excited and fired up and um and it's all going to work out and and all of that i had moments where i'm like ah you know i don't know if i can do this this is driving me crazy um i guess the difference is you know whether you stick through it or not you know if you you don't uh, walk away from that challenge yeah, I think, you know, that and that period of time leading up to that that moment where, okay, now it's becoming a reality, right? Mm-hmm. So now now I've got a book agent, someone's validated this as an idea that, um, you know, that might be and that might have some success. That that's such a I, I feel that liftoff um, period and it kind of what I'm going through right now with this podcast is just uh, uh, maybe the most challenging period. And I think maybe our, our listeners out there that have maybe some idea that's just a kernel in their mind and they can't mm-hmm. even imagine how it could go from there to uh, reality in the world. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's like crossing that bridge. And that's, I think, one of the intentions is this podcast is to support uh, people who are, are going through that, particularly that part of the journey. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great to hear about that uh, from you and, and, and hear about that part of the journey for you. Can I add one quick piece? Yeah. Um, something I've, I noticed during the book and that I've, uh, I'm noticing even more um, you know, there's that moment between, so you, you, you get over those hurdles. So you get the agent or you get the book deal or you finish the manuscript or whatever it is, you know, you launch the seminar. And there's a space between when you finish the product and when it becomes out there, when it gets out there in the world for public consumption. And that is a, a precious space. And I say precious not in that it's... Um, happy all the time. It's also terrifying. Um, It's where both the book or the seminar is a bestseller. It's a five-star review. Everybody loves it. It's New York Times quality. You know, all of that has, it it has, as Emily Dickinson says, I dwell in possibility. So it's like that possibility Mm. period. But it's also the period where all your gremlins start taking over and like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to hate it. They're going to compare it to this or that. It's going to be a flop. Um, You know, so... so the pitfalls all come in as well. And again, you know, if, if it's really your hell yes, and if it's really um, something that you feel passionately about, it's, it's important to 
acknowledge all of those conflicting emotions that are in that space and and to be able to shift to curiosity about them, you know, and say, well, you know, yeah, it might be a bestseller or it might be a flop. You know, what is my true intention with this? Is it to be a bestseller? You know, and if it's, if it, you know, is it deeper than that? Is it more than just about the numbers and the sales and the likes and the shares? Um, yeah. You know, to get down to that essence. And that is where it can help you move through that period of intense, um, you know, tension of is it going to work? And, mm-hmm. you know, just to be just to be curious, but to acknowledge and, you know, be compassionate with yourself because you're going to have those those moments of, oh, my God, it's going to take the world by storm. And, oh, it's going to be a whimper and, and nothing's going to happen. There's almost no in between <laughs> in, right, that, right. in that space. It's going to be one or the other. But in reality, it's going to be somewhere in between. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there there must be that much more of a tendency to uh, focus on that stuff with the with you know the social media environment yes. that we have, where you know every post that you put out there is like, how many likes did I get? I how know. many shares? And, and people, well, you know, legitimately focus on that as like a a, a measurement of um, you know how well they're doing. But yeah, you can just really lose touch with uh, what's yeah what's your authentic self on the inside um, and, yeah. and, you know, your true voice. So yeah, yeah I think exactly. that's really important. So um, what would be, uh, oh, I, now I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, you've, you've had uh, quite a lot of success. It sounds like you, you know, your path uh, going forward, although actually I'm making an assumption in, in knowing that, like you said, <laughs> maybe next year it'll be completely different, but what uh, now? I'd like to talk about your your. You were talking about a vision yourself, right? You had mm-hmm. um, th- that moment where you sat down and you just visualized um, having a great conversation with those uh, those agents. But now I'd like mm-hmm. to talk about like your big vision for your life, and what I like to call that is your cringeworthy vision. And what I mean by that is it's a vision a vision so big, no pressure here, but a vision oh. so big <laughs> that it makes you cringe to even think about sharing oh. it with people. Um, so it's really like taking the lid off the top of it and like, where, where do you really want to go with, with this stuff? Um, do you, ha- do you have a big vision like that? And again, no pressure if it's uh, <laughs> no pressure. You know, not saving the entire world or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, um, yeah, where to start with that? Because I feel like, and I, and I've started to put this out there a little bit, but it's not, um, it's not fully formed and it still feels very vulnerable. But, you know, I feel an expansion um, coming on. I feel an evolution of what I'm doing with the introvert entrepreneur. And again, you know, going back to the essence of what's it all about. And it's about, um, you know, the introvert entrepreneur is about self-acceptance. Um, it's about um, pride of ownership, like who you are and what you bring to the world. And, um and so what's the combination of that essence with this other piece that is the hell yes about asking questions, um, asking open and honest questions? And and so I'm looking at that intersection even more deeply now, and especially because there's so much that has shifted <laughs> um, culturally and in our society just here in the past, you know, six weeks. Um, you know, we're talking in, in mid-December Um but, uh, you know, there's been this huge upheaval. And I've noticed uh, not just me, but a lot of my colleagues who are also coaches and consultants saying, what am I doing? You know, how am I contributing to um, 
where society is aching. And and I feel like, you know, I have been um, been fortunate to be playing in a space where I feel like there have been people that have been aching and, and not being seen and heard, um, you know, especially as introverts. But how can I expand that even more? And so it, there's... Um, I, I don't have words quite for it yet, but there's something that's calling me to um, figure out a way to take those conversations, take make spa- safe space for open and honest questions and dialogue to a bigger and deeper level and to have it on a regular basis. So it's not just something you, you experience if you're lucky enough to go through a leadership program or a coach training program or some sort of um, professional development at your workplace where they are, you know, particularly enlightened about having those kinds of, of difficult conversations. But, um, you know, how can we as a society um, kind of reconnect with what's what's true for ourselves and then be able to have safe and vulnerable spaces to be able to share that. So it's very squishy and I, and I don't even know if what I just said makes sense, (laughs) but, um, but there's something about um, having bigger and deeper conversations that um, take the transformation even further, not just for the benefit of each of us as individuals, but for us in community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes those big visions are, you know, they're not, they don't emerge fully formed. It's like, mm-hmm. like anything else, it, it evolves. Uh, but I think that's, uh, you know, a great uh, vision that you have there. I want, you mentioned a little bit about the uh, the cultural environment changing in the past six weeks. Um, and, yeah. you know, we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about politics necessarily, but I really love that you had a Facebook post a few weeks ago uh, talking about uh, kind of the, the Trump effect that you, you wouldn't expect. Um, can mm-hmm. you Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was a few days after the election, and I went to a writer's circle um, up in Seattle and and just started thinking about, you know, what it, even in the few days after the election, what was I starting to witness? And what I witnessed was um, people talking about a need to be kinder with one another and a, a need to be more open and listening and seeing and hearing each other on a deeper level um, to take care of ourselves and to speak our truth. I mean, really, it's, you know, I, I kind of had my own hell yes in terms of not right away, <laughs> but I'm still working on it. But very much, a, you know, I, I have something to say, and I'm going to say it. There's, we can't afford to hold back anymore. So I think it's going to, and it's already, you know, unleashing this, this power that people are, are taking to speak their truth, um, to stick up for the people that have been disenfranchised, um, you know, to no longer turn a blind eye to what, um, where they see injustice, or where they see um, um, people not being compassionate with one another. And so I think that, you know, we, we've sort of, you know, talked about like pay it forward and, you know, um, random acts of kindness and all of that. And I think all of those things have been part of our fabric for a long time. But all of a sudden, I think we all sort of got this slap in the face <laughs> that said, hey, mm-hmm. this is real. And um and we can't just it can't just be a bumper sticker. You actually have to do it um, if it's going to make a difference. And and so that's where I am holding out hope is that 
in the midst of um, what, who knows what's going to happen. I'm trying to sit in curiosity with it, but in the midst of uh, tremendous unknowns for everyone, everyone, it doesn't matter who you voted for, um, we can take control of how we treat each other. And perhaps Mm -hmm. this is that wake-up call that we really need to be treating each other um, with a lot more respect and generosity and compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely had some of that coming up for for myself in the uh, past six weeks. Just, um, just yeah, as a wake up call, one to really get curious about. Wow, that was not what I expected. <laughs> Who are the people that voted for that, and what are they going through? You know, yeah. one, on the on the one hand, and then on the other hand, also I've I've I'm maybe going to do a, a, a small post about this, but like. Um, using, using this as sort of jet fuel for your own hell yes life. You know, it's sort of yes. like we, we, we can't always depend on something working out in the world the way we want it to, to uh, save us. Right. And so for me, this was right. also the result was sort of like, oh, wait, maybe I'm focusing on the wrong thing. Maybe I need to be focusing on my, myself and, and what, um, what I can control and, and what I can uh, do to affect change in the world. So, yeah, we can't um, always be looking yeah, at it. Oh, I'm sorry. We yeah. can't always be looking at our external leaders to give us hope. You know, the hope is inside us. And that's exactly. To, to exactly. Focus. Yeah. Interesting times, to be sure. <laughs> um, so, so last question. Um, is there one tip or quote or resource uh, that has helped you uh, at some point on your journey that you would like to share with our listeners? Years ago, back when I was um, living in Michigan and had a J-O-B job (laughs) before I became an entrepreneur. I remember my boss um, passing along a piece of wisdom to me that had been passed along to her. And it was, um, show up, tell the truth, let go of the outcome. And and, um, I now know the source of that and that there's another piece of it, pay attention. So show up, pay attention, tell the truth, let go of the outcome. And it comes from Angelise, and I'm probably mispronouncing the name, my apologies, but Angelise Arian. Um, who unfortunately passed away just a few years ago. Um, it's from her book, The Fourfold Way. And mm. I especially use let go of the outcome constantly. Um, so I picked mm-hmm. up that phrase, you know, maybe 10 years ago, and then it was repeated to me um, maybe seven years ago. And I there's probably not a day that goes by that it doesn't um, inform me in some way. So set your goals, set your intentions, but then let go of the outcome and just be open and curious to what might show up. Awesome. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Letting go of outcome. I've uh, experienced that myself. Well, Beth, thank you so much for being one of the very first guests on the Hell Yes Life podcast. Um, and uh, to to wrap it up, I always like to wrap it up with a hell yes. So on the count of three, can we say hell yes together? Definitely. Ready? <laughs> one, two, three. Hell, hell yes. yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, Beth. Thanks, Norman. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.